guys, uh, Taylor, it has now been five hours without Instagram. It's getting uh, rough. It's getting rough. It's getting a I don't know really, how much longer I can take this. I don't know either. I've, 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 since this happened this morning, I've been etching uh, every single hour into my wall uh, that I'm without Instagram, and I, and, I, and, I, and I keep checking it instinctively. I mean, do we even exist anymore? Like, if we're not online, like, do people even know what's happening like, in the world? Like, where, where are we? What, what, what's going on? I don't know how we're going to tell people that we're live right now if I can't do it on Instagram. I mean, I'm just... My, I can't find my um, basket weaving class uh, group on Facebook, and I, I, you know, how am I going to make that special pumpkin basket for Halloween? I'm not going to have time. This is I crazy. Can't, I can't look at Will talk about how he's a, a best-selling author. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is a rough day <laughs> in the history of the world. And scene, guys. Yeah. So if, if you guys are on social media at all, or if you keep up to date with social media, you know that Instagram and Facebook are down. Big, big, big problems. But luckily for you guys, it doesn't mean that you don't get to see PragerU content. If you weren't aware, PragerU has its own website, PragerU.com. We have our own app as well, the PragerU app that you can download on your phone. So that when Facebook and, and Instagram go awry and you can't get your content when you you can't see our lovely faces on those platforms anymore. You can watch them at PragerU.com. Yeah, PragerU.com and our app. We also have a Roku app, by the way, which works and is hey. cool. So, Isn't that pretty cool, guys? You can watch our faces on your Roku. Big tech can't keep themselves up on the air, but PragerU is still here. Wow. We are stronger than Facebook and Instagram. Now, you all know Will is not here. He is, of course, doing his uh, book tour, but... We have Will on the show today. We did a little check-in with Will to see how things are going and to talk about it. Oh, I thought you were referring to that guy sitting over there. <laughs> yeah, he's is, he's also, look at that. That's really, did you guys do that on Friday? That creeps me out. We did do it on Friday. So on Friday, since you weren't here, Taylor, we had Will here. I did an opening skit where I spoke to Pillow Will, and you were a basketball with Wilson's face on it from the Tom Hanks movie. Well, should have been a volleyball because that's my sport, but I know. it's fine. We printed a volleyball and put it over the basketball. Oh, wow. Just for you, Taylor. I, I'll, okay. <laughs> now, let, let's check in with Will, see what he's up to, and go over a couple of stories. Uh, one is, is Pitbull and his America rant, and two is a crazy leftist that we found on TikTok. Surprise, surprise. Guys, I just simply can't get this guy off the show. Uh, he continues to beg me, even though he's not even here in California, to be on the program, and I just don't know what to do about it. So, so coming from Fort Myers right now is Will Witt. Will Witt, thank you for being on. Guys, really happy to have you on the show, Amor, uh, <laughs> to come and join me for my show. Taylor, to all you guys. I mean, it's an honor to have you guys on my show. So thanks for thanks for coming. How, oh, does, right. how does this caller keep getting past our screeners? I, I don't get it. I literally don't get it. I tell them time and time again, do not let Will Witt on this show. And, and somehow he manages to get on it. I don't understand. Time and time again, it doesn't work out for you, Amor. <laughs> <laughs> time and time again, of which, you know who I wish I had on the show right now? I wish I had Pitbull on the show. And here's why. This is an article out of the Daily Wire. The title is Pitbull to those who hate the U.S. F you go to Cuba and you'll see how much you appreciate the United States. Now, I think before we even get into the story, the first thing that we should do is, is watch this video of Pitbull saying this at his concert. Let's listen to it. Mr. Worldwide Speaking Facts. Is this to whoever the doesn't like the United States of America, may God bless you, you at the same time. If you don't like the United States of America, go back to the countries that we are from and you'll see how much you appreciate the United States of America. And there it is. That That's all she wrote. Uh, 
the profanity, of course, we will bleep out for your for your viewing pleasure, guys. But that's what Pitbull had to say at his most recent concert. That was some hotel room service. If if you're talking to me, I mean, that was that was wonderful. I just I do like seeing celebrities with some sort of bravery coming out and saying something like that. And look how crazy it is that we even have to make a video about this to have a, a celebrity come out and say that they love America and like comparing it to other horrible countries around the world and to say like, oh, wow, he's brave for saying that. How screwed up is America right now that that's now bravery in this country? Yeah. And it's really sad. And just to give uh, the audience at home some context, for those of you who are not familiar with Mr. Worldwide, uh, he is he is from Cuba. His, who his isn't family... familiar with Mr. Worldwide? You know, I don't know. He's, because he's, he's worldwide. He's worldwide. How could you not be familiar? <laughs> <laughs> But I'll, I'll read you some of his previous quotes because, you know, that was not the most eloquent we've ever seen, Pitbull. I, I love the God bless you, but F you at the same time. <laughs> iconic, iconic. But here's what Pitbull had to say uh, in a previous statement. He said, the reason I can have this conversation is because my family comes from communism. They fled communism. They had everything taken away from them. Everybody got murdered. Everybody got killed. I think that's ground for, for not liking communism. And then he said during an interview last year, that's the reason me being a first generation Cuban American. I look at freedom and I appreciate that S word. I appreciate opportunity. I appreciate anything that you give to me. And that comes from the fact that when Castro took everything and I'm looking at what's going on right now, the only person here that's hot, it's Castro. He's going, y'all did it with a virus S word. <laughs> y'all took the world with a virus. Y'all got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's so funny to hear Pitbull's words in my voice. <laughs> It's funnier to hear your self-censorship. I think that's probably the funniest part. Uh, well, we run a family-friendly program, Will. No, I know we do. I'm just saying it's it's quite comical. But no, uh, look at all the celebrities that we have coming out right now and going against the, the wokeism that we're experiencing. We got Nicki Minaj with her whole Twitter debacle. We got Rihanna wearing the T-shirt of saying that thinking is soon going to be illegal. And now we got Pitbull again. But Pitbull's always been in the space of doing this, so I'm, I'm proud. Well, I don't know about Rihanna. I'm not going to say Rihanna for sure was like... That, uh, you know, it almost feels like it's almost one of those leftist messages that that says that that's all about, you know, talking and being loud. It's like it's not like who Rihanna knows? came out and said anything about who she's with or anything. Right. So right, I, right. I, I would just I, I take these things with a grain of salt. I take okay. these things with a grain of salt, all of the celebrities coming out and and doing stuff because it's like they're still celebrities and they still are beholden to many people. And unless you're going to come out and be incredibly strong about it and like actually stand up for something, then. You know, it's tough. I get I get it's it's good to do what you do and, and say certain things, certain truths. But I wish that they did more. It's like the Texas abortion ban. It's like I wish you did more. Yeah, you did something, but I want more. Right. I want you to just do it. I agree just with say you. Say how but, you really feel. But I think when when celebrities come out and do stuff, they're reaching so millions, obviously millions and millions more than than we'll ever reach with with our show. But they're reaching apolitical people, he, people who are apathetic to politics, and they're seeing a celebrity that they see maybe as a role model or they simply like their music or or their art. And they're thinking, oh, well, this person's political. I wonder what they think. And then hopefully this is introing a lot of people into the political space and hopefully in a way that is, you know, conducive to our side and helping us out. Yeah, I think they're mostly not ideological people. They're very much just like they go with the flow of whatever the mainstream, whatever they're supposed to say as celebrities, they to pretty much just toe the line usually. But I think what we're seeing is a lot of these people are kind of in that quote unquote uncancelable status where right. they've already ascended to the to the level of fame and, and wealth um, and prominence in culture to where they can have an opinion that that contradicts the mainstream narrative. And it's yeah, it's unpopular, but they're they're 
big enough to kind of overcome that. And, and it's cool to see that, like, just on the fact that they are not ideologically possessed and not um, beating the drum of of wokeism or whatever the mainstream narrative is, and they they just have common sense. I don't think they're they're you know like to Will's point, yeah, they're not going very far. They're not mm-hmm. making these huge eloquent statements. I mean, it was hardly eloquent what uh, Pitbull just came, you know, came out of his mouth, but they they just are have enough common sense to call out BS when they see it. And like the Nicki Minaj thing, she was, she didn't obviously definitely was not an eloquent thing, but they're just like, you guys, y'all are acting crazy and I'm not going to go along with this. And like, that is, that part is refreshing to, to hear and to see. And, you know, but I think it behooves people like uh, the Will Wits of the world to take that and give, give some context that, yeah, you guys see how crazy this is. So here's why it's crazy. It's because the people who you've been in cahoots with and have been supporting or have been content to be associated with, are pushing this radical, crazy agenda, and they're they're um, unable to stop themselves. And you have been un, until this point um, complicit in that. So now, why don't you use your platform and your voice to call it out and you know give a more eloquent takedown of what's actually going on? Yeah, you don't have to be eloquent and highbrow and intellectual to say, you know what, I love America. And for those of you that hate it, you should feel lucky to be here. You don't have to be eloquent to to say, you know, things. Things are going crazy right now and we're, we're living in this haze and we need to cut through this haze and find out what the truth is. So I appreciate anybody in any space who's willing to come out and say anything at this wait, point. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't say I didn't say that you had to be eloquent. And no, come no, out no, and be no, no. That's the whole side note. No, well, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. The, in, in the sense that, you know, of course, they're not saying enough. But um, I think that the people who do have the verbal ammunition to, you know, make a dent in this ideology need to springboard off of what they're saying. It's like, yeah, you guys see how crazy this is? Well, here's yep. why, you know. No, I'm just saying I hate how how held on a pedestal these people are when reality is like, you know, there's celebrities. You know, if, if they had these thoughts, if they had these ideas, why didn't you say them sooner? Especially like Nicki Minaj talking about on her Instagram live. And she's like, oh, listen, there's a lot more celebrities out there than you think who actually think these things. It's like, okay, well, then you got a bunch of losers who people hold on some sort of pedestal that don't actually do anything about the things that they believe in when you have that platform. But then all of the leftist ones they see who they totally disagree with are doing things the opposite. And then it's like, you still don't say anything. It's like, I I, I don't have much respect for people in these types of positions if they're going to be like wishy-washy about something. It's like, you should be like, the, so strong. But Pitbull seems like the strong one. Yeah, but people people's first instinct is self-preservation. And I think there's a difference between obviously yeah. the Nickies and the Rihannas and the Pitbulls. Pitbull's been open about his views for a really, really long time. But your first interest is self-preservation. So I think what they did is waited till they made it in Hollywood to really say what they uh, wanted to say. And although I don't agree with that statement, of course, we could have used these words a lot sooner, but at least we got the words. It would have been much easier for them to not say anything at all and to, to sit under the thumb of, of Hollywood and the entertainment industry and then go along with the talking points and the and the wokeisms, but they chose not to. And the fact that they even chose to do that, it's better than most celebrities are doing. And and regardless of whether or not we praise them, uh, I think we should at least acknowledge it was probably a good thing to do. <laughs> and yeah, it's crazy to yeah. hear somebody say, you got to hear somebody say, I love America and hear a crowd of tens of thousands of people scream and chant for loving America. Uh, that's a rarity these days. Uh, so I mean, kudos to Pitbull. Yeah, I look at it more as like, it's not so much that these celebrities deserve a huge pat on the back and like, oh, how courageous they're being. But it's more like a signal to me of what's going on in our culture right now that, you know, that the 
the mainstream agenda has been pushed so hard um, without regards for common sense or facts or whatever that people who are otherwise largely apolitical um, or just celebrities who do have a little bit to lose um, are now just being are so perturbed by what they're seeing that they're like, you guys, this is BS. And they're just willing to say that. And it's not so much that they're uh, so it's not so much that they're courageous. It's to me just more like the fact that they're saying anything at all is a signal to me that um, there's there's chinks being made in the armor of yep. the mainstream narrative. Yep. Because so far it's been just a wall in front of us. But it's just like uh, you, you have people like like these people on on Twitter and on the Internet and they'll be like, oh, if if, if a celebrity said the wrong thing, they'd be like, oh, I don't care at all what any of these celebrities think. They're all leftist losers. But then one celebrity comes out and says something that is mildly, mildly conservative. And then every conservative is like, this is the, the bravest person in the world. It's like, it, it's pathetic. It's like, why are, this guy, like these people make tunes for top 40 hits. Like, like these are not the, the people. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying I don't get it and why it's good. I'm just saying like, don't put these people on this high pedestal now just because they agreed with you on one little thing for a second, because then the next day they're going to say something else and it's going to be totally against everything that you said. Like, I forget the example of where this happened, where someone like a celebrity came out um, and said something that was kind of conservative and then and then it, it, they totally shifted on another. Thing. Yeah, we've definitely right. seen that happen. Oh, yeah. We see it happen all the time. These are just celebrities yeah look well don't talk don't you talk about my girl riri like that okay i'm <laughs> so with her i'm with her to the end ride or die anything ride she says the rest riri. of the way with bad gal riri no i mean <laughs> you shouldn't pedestalize anybody you shouldn't even pedestalize will or i or or taylor you shouldn't you shouldn't take anybody just hot uh, scott just hot scott yeah yeah that's just exactly scott. right that's exactly right you know how you know the pitbull's a good guy though so they did this competition this was years ago mm -hmm. it was like a competition for like uh, if a certain place gets a number amount of votes, then Pip, it was through Walmart. And they're like, Pitbull will come and perform at your Walmart, wherever that. it is. And all these people troll, all these people trolled it and they got it to be like some little town in Alaska. And so Pitbull, but Pitbull was a good sport about it. And he went all the way to this like tiny, tiny Walmart in Alaska in the middle of nowhere and like performed for all these. Yeah. And he killed it. He did a good job too. Like he gave it his all. <laughs> I did not know that story. That's awesome. Yeah, that is amazing. You can tell he's a good guy. The, th the same thing happened with like Taylor Swift, where they trolled her. It was like, I, I forget how they trolled her. They're like, I'll do a, a concert at your school. And then everyone voted for like this school of the deaf. And it won as like the top school <laughs> that she yeah. had to go perform at. And did she do it? <laughs> and then she didn't go and do it. Okay. No, she didn't do it. No, it's probably, that's a whole yeah. different situation. It's a good thing she didn't do that. Uh, now, speaking of, speaking Sorry of trolling people, <laughs> I, I feel, I wish this next video was, was trolling me. I have a question before we get into it. This is from Libs of TikTok. Were you guys gifted? Um, I know. I don't actually think I took a gifted like course uh -huh. evaluation or whatever. And sure. I was like just below the cutoff. So I wasn't gifted. What about you, Will? Mama Gump told me I was different, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Is he stupid? Yes, I was. I, I guess I was gifted. I mean, I went to a, a gifted and talented school okay. for my entire life. So yeah. I'm I'm like Taylor. I took my gifted test in elementary school. I believe I was like seven years old and I got to the part where you had to make like the patterns out of blocks and look at them and see like where the pattern had gone wrong or something like that. And I got one question wrong and I took my, took my gifted status away. So I didn't get the little G next to my name, but guess what? Apparently you, you could have been smart and successful. I could have been very smart oh, and successful, but dang. I was not, I did not get that little G next to my name in elementary school, but yeah. Sorry guys. I'd love to be on the show a little bit more, but you know, I, I only do shows with uh, gifted and talented people. So 
obviously this show this show isn't for me I'll send you over to Dave Rubin or Carol Swain or somebody like that. Uh, but it's you know, it's a good thing. It turned out being a good thing because apparently uh, being gifted is a sign of white privilege and and white supremacy. So let's look at this video. I mean, I can say it more directly. You weren't gifted, talented or smart. You were just most likely, statistically speaking, an upper middle class white kid. And so your school district rewarded you by giving you the title of gifted. And then they use that as an excuse to pull resources from your black and indigenous, low-income, disabled, neurodivergent peers and gave them to you. You benefited from the system of white supremacy and classism because you could uphold it as more likely than not an upper middle class or middle class white kid. You were the reason and the excuse for withholding resources from marginalized students and you were complicit in accepting them. And I know you were a child and I know you probably didn't have a lot of say and you also didn't have a lot of perspective. But as an adult, if you're still holding on to this idea that you were a gifted kid once, when all that meant is that you could thrive under classism and white supremacy, unpack that. Okay. I mean, yeah. let, let's unpack that. First of all, how long did it take her to, to remember saying black, brown, indigenous, disabled, uh, neurodivergent people? Uh, because that's gifted, if I've ever seen gifted. Now, it just blows my mind. From my perspective, when I was in school, gifted meant that you just got more homework. I don't remember any resources being shifted from students like me over to students who were gifted. All it meant was your deadlines are a little bit sooner. You got to read a few more books and you have a little bit more homework than everybody else does. I went to a gifted and talented school. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to spoil the name for you all, but I got sent to a gifted and talented school for uh, since first grade or second grade until eighth grade i went okay. to a gifted and talented school were you surrounded there by were, white men i mean the, no that's what i'm like that's the very strange mutants? part is that there were many yeah mutants yeah gifted <laughs> mutants you know they there was beast boy and uh, starfire all these all these mutants it was crazy no but it was like all these different people from all there i'm not just saying this and i know it's kind of anecdotal but regardless I was one of the only like there weren't very many white kids. Mm -hmm. There definitely weren't that many white kids at my school growing up. There were a lot of Hispanic kids. There were a lot of black kids. And so a lot of those kids were my, my really good friends. There were a lot of African kids. My my be two best friends growing up were both two African guys, Yonatan and Gassan. Those were their names. Like I can you, how African are those names? How <laughs> those, those names don't sound too white supremacist to you. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> But like, like all the people in my school, it was like very diverse. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything about white supremacy. I have the opposite story of you. My school was not really super diverse. I mean, we definitely had a, a bunch of Hispanic kids, a bunch of black kids in my school. But as far as being in like AP programs, I was definitely surrounded by a bunch of a bunch of white girls and boys and maybe a couple of other black students. And I still graduated valedictorian from my conservative rural area. The idea that that being gifted and and getting something based on purely your merit and your education has something to do with race. It's just so, so beyond me, but it's an effort to, to look at everything through that lens. And, and there's never been anybody to say, well, there's, well, there's more gifted kids that are, that are white than black in, in most schools. Although I, I'm sure there is, but that's more of a cultural problem than it is something that has to do with racism. Teachers don't go to teach to hold back black kids and brown kids and indigenous exactly. kids and, and neurodivergent kids. If anything, teachers are more sympathetic and work harder for kids who have special needs or who are disabled right. or neurodivergent. And they want to see those kids succeed. Everybody wants to see those kids succeed. So to think that by virtue of being gifted that you are somehow contributing to white supremacy is ridiculous.
So what you're saying is poor kids can be just as smart as white kids. Poor kids are just as smart as the white kids. We love that quote. <laughs> well, they're oh, also gosh. more they're also more white people. There's more white people. Yes. If there's more gifted white kids and there's more white people in America, then statistically speaking, yes, there's going to be more white gifted kids. Right. Obviously, she is not gifted to understand that. No, and it's it's important to talk Basic about math. what is so much more influential in education is socioeconomic status. And and yes, there are problems for, for black and brown children in school. I mean, I've been reading about this for a really long time. Expulsion rates are higher. Detention rates are higher. Dropout rates are higher. But that is more contributed to culture and socioeconomic status than it is to somebody being racist towards you. Teachers want to see you succeed. I can't imagine. I've, I've never had a teacher in my life and I've never met a teacher in my life that has ever been like, you know what? I, I wish that kid would just would just go absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's objectively true that um, kids learn at different paces yes. and intelligence is a real thing that exists and mm -hmm. people it's a, it's a spectrum and people exist on different independent of race, by the way. Um, so to so to say that like there's everyone learns at the same pace is like a cookie cutter. That's ideological. And it, it, is. it is it is a malpractice on the part of uh, educators to put it, take a cookie cutter approach to um, teaching kids. And 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 by the way, um, if you're so worried about equity, like when you um, take one approach to everybody, then you're you're depriving students who are able to advance more quickly, even if that happens to be a black or brown student, you're depriving them of the chance to. Right. Um, advance as quickly as they could. And so, yeah, it's just a nonsensical argument. There are two possible solutions to this perceived problem that she's put forth. One is an affirmative action stance where you put black and brown children and neurodivergent children in a gifted program that they are not fit to be in, which obviously is horrible and not going to go well, and it's going to deteriorate their grades. Right. Or you cut off the gifted program, you cut off everybody at the knees, and you have gifted students who have a higher intellect, who are not being challenged in school, and you put them at risk of not doing well at school or even leaving the school system because they're not being challenged enough. So the two solutions to this perceived problems are not solutions at all. And that's exactly what we see in, in places like Harvard and Yale and right. uh, where they have um, affirmative action programs. The students who um, are admitted on the basis of their, of their skin color, who are underqualified relative to other students, are competing with students in their, in, that are um, exceptionally qualified. And they lag behind in their class. They often transfer their majors. They often fail and have, have higher stress. And, um, and you're setting them up for failure by, through the affirmative action in the first place all i've been able to realize going and talking to i mean so many people especially being now on my book tour and talking to so many you know hundreds of students and everything the number one thing that is indicative of someone who's going to be gifted or very well learned or whatever it might be is someone who reads reading is the number one thing in the entire world to share to know if someone is going to be very intelligent. Someone who doesn't put time into reading, which most people don't, you are not going to be that intelligent. Most people who are the, the smartest people in the world, especially when you're growing up and young and you're looking for activities to do, the kids who read a lot were gifted and talented. The kids who didn't read were not gifted and talented. Anyone who reads a lot is, is gifted and and there's so many different factors to it. It's it's reading comprehension. It's math comprehension. It's pattern recognition. I remember taking my gifted test and being surprised that it wasn't just straightforward like math questions and reading reading prompts. It was look at these sets of blocks and create a pattern out of them and see which one uh, goes against it. Like there's so many different factors to just intellect that are measured by a gifted test that have nothing to do with race. But nonetheless, this girl is probably going to keep making TikToks about it and we'll be able to debunk them over and over. Uh, but Will, again, thank you.
Well, I'm very surprised you remember your gifted test. I do because it was seen as like a. Well, yours was like three years ago. Yeah, I was about to oh say. Oh my god! Like First of all, old, so she took my gifted test was when I was seven, and I remember it being like a special day because obviously I went to public school, and they would come into the classroom. It was like gifted testing day. Like everybody felt like, oh my gosh, the adrenaline rush. Am I going to get called to get gifted tested? And you get called, and you go into this room with your counselor, and you sit down and you do the test with them, and they're like watching you the whole time. It felt like something out of like I don't know, like a out of divergent or something where you pick your faction. It's crazy. So yeah, that's why I remember it. It's just a a memory that sticks out. But anyways, you can remember that for a whole 10 years since you were seven years old. Oh my gosh. You must be gifted. Oh, the age jokes. I love them. I love them. No, you're definitely gifted. Every time I see you, I'm like that girl's She's definitely gifted. I know. I, mean, I know. She, she does get lots of gifts in the mail from our uh, audience and stuff. So <laughs> definitely it's just an effect that I have on people. I'm I'm very gifted. You guys want to see something cool? See, show me something cool. Oh, look, I'll show Still you. on the air. I don't yeah, know. Like, what are you showing? I know. I know. Wait, can you can you see that right there? Is it a bruise? What I don't is know that? if it's showing up. If it'll show up. Yeah, it's a bruise. From I went skeet shooting yesterday. Oh. In Tampa. Doing like massive skeet shooting. It was so much fun. I've never done it before. I and now I have this massive, it, it hurts like hell. How did you do? Ow. But I didn't do very well first okay. because I have very bad eyesight. But then eventually I figured out how to do it. And it's so much fun. We should go when, when, we, when I get back. We it's should. so much fun. I have horrible eyesight too, but I love to shoot guns. So, well, I'll keep you, make sure you're looking actually down the range. I'll make sure your gifted, gifted and talented status is, is down the range. My marksmanship is pretty good. I think you'll be surprised. Maybe we'll do a vlog out of it of us going to the gun range. I, I think you'll be very surprised. I'm a good, I'm we a good. We go uh, Louisiana and do the clay pigeons and stuff. I hit them where it hurts. <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah, in that police training, you shot the guy in the nuts. I did. Oh my gosh. Come on. Come on now. I know a little bit about a little bit. Uh, anyways, well, thank you so much for, for begging me to be on the show because it's really, it was really a pleasure this time. I think this is one of your, your best performances yet. I think the more that you beg, the more we'll put you on and the better the performance will be. Yeah, no, Will Wit Live was great today. Thanks so much for coming <laughs> on, guys. Um, if you guys like my content, make sure you follow me on social media great. at the Will Wit, you know. Um, Absolutely. If you want to hear more Will Wit Live, on Spotify podcasts, you know, absolutely. All that stuff. Okay, also, guys, you can go make sure you go in the no, no, wait, no, but actually, no, wait, 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 no, wait, go into the description of this video if you want to find out where I'm going on my book tour, all the places, be able to buy my book, all that. Go to the link in the description. I'm going to be going across the entire country for about two more weeks. Would love to see you guys at my book tour stop. So check it out in the description. Awesome. Thanks, Will. We'll probably have you on the show at some point again this week. So be on the lookout. Will will be back. We're not we're not going to keep him away. And he's in his chair. If you guys want to see this is where he's here in spirit. So uh, we're keeping Will on this on the set in spirit. So uh, bye, Will. And we'll see you again soon on the show. See you guys on the show sometime. See ya. Our check-in with Will Wood. It's nice to have Will on the show every now guest. and then. What a great guest. I mean, if you guys, by popular demand, if you want him back, you, you let us know and, and we, we, we may make it happen. Uh, but he's already he's already annoying enough with begging us to be on the show as it is. I know. Amal and Taylor live. I mean, the, your name's not even on the show, bro. So, right, right, you know, right, right. If you right, want to so. be a guest, you just you have to have something interesting to offer. <laughs> now, now let's get into a story that, that's on the headline today, and that is the George Floyd Memorial statue was vandalized in New York City. Here's a look. They're getting it all, all cleaned up here. Police obtained a video that shows a male vandal ducking behind uh, a nearby statue of the late 
uh, Representative John Lewis and fiddling with something in a backpack around 10 a.m., says the policeman spokesperson. But the footage shows him taking off on a skateboard while throwing the paint on Floyd's bus to the spokesperson says police are not planning on releasing the video. So here's George Floyd with uh, with uh, the paint on him. This is an interesting development. Am I surprised by this development? I will be honest, absolutely not. I'm not surprised by this development because we have placed into martyrdom a man who chose to uh, do criminal acts, not only um, in the moments leading up to his, albeit maybe could have been avoided death, uh, but in his life in general. I just think it's interesting that somehow all of a sudden vandalizing statues is a terrible thing and very newsworthy. Right. I didn't see much of that last year. You know, that's actually a very good point. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that, Taylor. Yeah, because when it, when it comes to actual uh, stories and statues of, of American history, actual memorials, some may recall the, the 9-11 memorial that was vandalized uh, this past year, that's totally okay. That's acceptable because we're fighting against racism and, and xenophobia. But when the statue of, of George Floyd, again, a man who was uh, an avid criminal within his, his, his life, uh, gets vandalized, suddenly we're all up in arms about it. Yeah, I honestly don't know how much more there is to say about this. There's I not. Mean, neither, I think we can say neither one of us would have supported the construction of this memorial in the right. first place. Um, and so it's hard to feel much outrage at the fact that it's being... Um, vandalized so yeah. i don't know much, how much more there is to say about yeah. it really it should have never been constructed it's constructed but the in hypocrisy is, gl- is glaring you know, right when it is everyone's freaking out about this now in the mainstream media that oh how terrible that someone would vandalize a statue um and where were you a year ago when they were doing this to george washington to george right. washington right by the way, who was not a criminal yeah tearing down uh, stuff at the lincoln memorial tearing down just founding fathers who had nothing to do with anything that people are screaming about today tearing down statues of people who were simply white men just because they were white men and and everybody was okay with that that's totally fine that's us restructuring american history but when it happens to a george floyd statue which should have never been uh never been erected, never been made uh, in this in this New York square next to one of Breonna Taylor as well. Suddenly, suddenly it's a big deal to d- deface statues. Yeah. And just to harp on that point for a second, I mean, the reason that there is an asymmetry to the outrage is that the uh, the George Floyd was in his death was used as a tool to advance the American anti-American agenda. Yep. And that same sentiment is what drove the vandalism of the George George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, its founding father statues around the country a year ago. So whenever it's it's not on the it's on the basis of whether um, the statue in question is vandalizing it is uh, denigrating toward America, then mm-hmm. that's okay. But whenever but when it's when you're when it is vandalized on the basis of the fact that it is elevating something that shouldn't be elevated, um, then now you're wrong because you're slowing down our effort to denigrate America. Right, right. It's amazing. The hypocrisy is an amazing thing. Hypocrisy is a hell of a drug, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, we figured we'd cover that story really quickly. Now we're going to move on to another story here. And this is one that involves a one Andrew Yang. You may recognize the name because he did uh, run for president uh, in this in this past presidential election. Andrew Yang really made his claim to fame as a man running uh, to push for UBI or universal basic income. But now Andy 
uh, Andrew has come <laughs> out. I don't know why I called him Andy, like I know him. Uh, Andrew <laughs> you know has come Andy. out. You know all the Andy. You know Andy and his antics, Andy and his UBI. You know that guy. Uh, he's come out with a, an essay or an opinion piece, I guess you would say, talking about breaking free from uh, his identification with the Democratic Party or the left, and he's now uh, decided to go in as an independent. Now, I don't want to talk about this too much. Obviously, uh, we're not super big fans of Andrew Yang's policies or his politics, but he says something interesting in this. And it's something that I wish more people would recognize uh, when it comes to politics. politics, when it comes to our elites, when it comes to bureaucrats. And and let's read some of this, some of this essay that he wrote. My goal is to do as much as I can to advance our society. There are phenomenal public servants doing great work every day, but our system is stuck. It is stuck in the part because uh, polarization is getting worse than ever. Many of the people I know are doing all the good they can, but their impact is constrained. Now that I'm not a member of one party or another, I feel like I can be more honest about both the system and the people in it. The key reform that is necessary to help unlock our system is a combination of open primaries and ranked choice, blah, blah, blah. He goes into different changes he wants to make. But he admits something here, right down here. I'm not very ideological. I'm practical, making partisan arguments, particularly expressing what I often see as performative sentiment is sometimes uncomfortable for me. I often think, okay, what can we actually do to solve the problem? I'm pretty sure there are others who feel the same way I do. I've seen politicians publicly eviscerate each other and then act collegial and friendly backstage a few minutes later. A lot of it is theater. I've also had people publicly attack me and then text or call me privately to make sure that we were all cool. It just had to be done for appearances. This is interesting. This is kind of like in The Wizard of Oz when they finally get there. They finally get to the Emerald City and they pull back the curtain and it's just a regular man behind the curtain and they realized that much of what they were seeing was just theater. And that's exactly what happens in our politics. It's all political theater. It's all political theater. And I say this on the show all the time, but the bureaucrats who who get on stage and they talk about all these problems that we're experiencing in America are often not in the interest of finding solutions because their job uh, is is based around finding problems, perpetuating those problems, and then saying they have something to do to solve it. So to have somebody who's so far left-leaning, and again, I don't agree with uh, politically, legislatively at all, uh, come out and say much of what we see, if not all of what we see in regard to politics as theater is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's encouraging to see um, a little bit of sanity from someone, you know, leaving the, the left or the Democratic Party in this mm-hmm. case. Um, I don't know. I don't know what really what more to say about it. I think that right. there is probably a parallel um, between what we were talking about earlier with celebrities and stuff who have you know a snippet of common sense left, who are willing to call out how dumb and partisan and um, just ideological things have become. That they they're willing to speak their minds and, and say honestly. And I think we need more people. To just say, you know what, we don't like not everything has to be partisan. Not everything has to be political. Um, you shouldn't, you know, if you're one percent left of center, one percent right of center, mm-hmm. that shouldn't lock in every single one of your opinions and have them predictable. We need, like he said, he feels like he can be more honest now because he's not partisan. I think we mm-hmm. just need more of that in general. We need more conversations about, and he said he's a solutions oriented. Um, we need to have more people who are willing to step outside of partisan lines and really talk about solutions and ideas themselves because everything is so gridlocked and everything is so, um, it all has to do with, with theater and, um, politicians are in people's pockets and all this type of stuff. And like, 
it's so refreshing to just talk about ideas on their own merits and talk about solutions on their own merits. Right. And um, there needs to be a lot more of that. Yeah, it's it's refreshing and it's it's hope inducing, I guess. Although hope is really not the most important thing. I used to think hope was so important, and then I heard Dennis Prager talk about how hope is really not that important at all, and that you know the the men in, of who stormed you know Normandy Beach, uh, the men of D Day, they didn't feel hope. They knew exactly what was going to happen, but they still continued to fight anyways, and that's what we have to do. Mm. But to see somebody who uh, was so left-leaning and somebody who I would have thought would, would be extremely ideological come out and say, no, I'm not. And I, I think we can encourage other people to not do the same. He's not saying that people need to follow in his footsteps or anything. Uh, but I, I like to see people uh, who I once view as very extreme come out and say something that is completely rational. And I think it is a sign of the times that, that everything around us is getting so extreme and so irrational and so insane that there's bound to be people who recognize that and step away from it. Yeah, so, yeah. You don't have to play by the rules that are already set in place as far as like you must be of this group or else, you know, you don't, like it, it is a courageous act to stand up for what your own thoughts and your own mm-hmm. beliefs, regardless of of whether I agree with you or disagree with you. Right. It, it is a laudable, commendable act to say, you know, what I'm thinking for myself and I'm going to um, evaluate issues on their own merits. I'm going to look at evidence, look at facts, look at and talk about ideas on their own merits um, and get away from. Um, partisanship that interferes with my ability to do with that. So props if, if that, and I, I encourage more people to follow, not necessarily Andrew, Andrew Yang's policies and right. ideas, but follow in the footsteps of not um, having all of your opinions prepackaged or associating with groups that don't allow you to think for yourself. Right, guys, not the policy, just the general opinion on this one. Uh, one more story here before we get into Dear Will and Amala, our advice segment, or I should say Dear Taylor and Amala. Here is the newest Playboy. Let's take a look. For Playboy to have a male on the cover is a huge deal for the LGBTQ community, for my brown people community, and it's all so surreal. A total is this even effing happening right now, happening right now type of vibe, and I'm so pretty. Wow. Playboy? More like uh, gay boy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you knew it. Someone had to say it. Will Somebody, wasn't here to yeah, say Will it. Yeah, Will was so. not here to say it. Will would have been the Amala one to specifically, say it. we talked about doing this story with Will, and she was like, no, we can't let Will talk about this because he's just going to say something inappropriate. Yes, yeah. So for those of you who are <laughs> who are unfamiliar with this young man here, he's a man by the name of Bretman Rock. He became famous by hopping into the makeup space as a, a makeup artist on all social media platforms and is now the first male to be featured on the cover of Playboy. Now... Uh, when we think about this, I mean, I don't want to think about this through the lane of disparaging people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, there's no reason to do that. It doesn't gain, it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, and, and for argument's sake, it just makes no sense. Uh, what I will talk about is I'll sort of take the Daniel Craig position. Uh, Daniel Craig, you know him as the actor who plays 007 James Bond, who said, you know what? Why do we need to create a female James Bond? Why not just create... Uh, characters that women can play instead of changing male characters that have always been the way that they are to to placate to people's uh, delusions in regard to this. And that's exactly what I feel like Playboy is happening. I'll be interested to see what the sales are on this edition. Maybe high because it's the first time that it's ever done it and people will have it as memorabilia and things like that. But I imagine towards their typical audience, the sales on this Playboy edition are not going to be great. 
Yeah, and I mean, to your point, why, like to Daniel Craig's question, why don't we just create um, alternatives for people who are interested in those alternatives rather than swapping something that was made for men to, into, you know, placing something in the, but I'll tell you exactly why. It's because it makes an ideological point mm -hmm. or, or it pushes the ideology that they want to push and um, says, oh, we're taking over the norms. We're, we're erasing them and we're taking over our with our ideology in the culture. And so if, to that to that end, that is why they do it this way. That's why they have to rewrite Ghostbusters to be female and they have to make Bond a female. It's like they're, they, the whole point is the cultural revolution. Right. The whole point is um, turning everything upside down. If it doesn't do that, then the, the commonsensical thing is, yeah, just make your own alternative and build in, in, a, in a separate lane. But that they're not interested in that. They want the revolution and they want to do. And the only way to do that is by tearing down the existing things. But mm -hmm. overall, my reaction to this article or this this post and yeah. happening this news story yeah. is i don't care because yes. I, I don't care about um playboy magazine not a reader don't care about what they're doing but what i do care about is what what the implication this has as yes. as a tentpole moment in our culture and what it means which is the ideology the, you know the revolution marches on and they're 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 going after it, um this cultural revolution everywhere they possibly can yeah you make a great point it's not it's not that i'm a playboy customer and i care all that much that <laughs> bretman rock is on the cover of playboy it's the underpinnings of it it's it's <clears throat> it's it points to a, a larger uh societal truth and that's something that needs to be talked about and i don't think it needs to be discussed with outrage because guess what your outrage fuels playboy sales that's what happens they go yes hallelujah i knew exactly what this was going to do <laughs> and and now everybody's talking Co-parter, Amala. Yeah, right, right. Co-parter. Co You're so triggered Co by this. I'm Why so are you so triggered by a gay man on Playboy? That's, right. I'm just seeing now. Like we're just sitting here, like we're just we're like, mentioning it because it is. It's an obvious attempt to usurp yes. the regular cultural order of things, and it's part of this march of ideology. So yeah, we're going to call it out and say and, yeah. and and recognize it for what it is. And but uh, you know. Yes, this is me very outraged right now. I'm yes. just seething with rage. Oh, extremely. But yeah, the, you know, the ideological underpinning is there and it's just something to discuss and talk about in a, in a greater context rather than this just this micro uh, occurrence of having a male playboy. It's really not that big of a deal. Now, next is our final segment of the day, and that is Dear Will and Amla, or again, Dear Taylor and Amla, since Will is not here. You guys submitted your questions on Twitter and down below in the active YouTube chat, and we compiled them, put them on our doc as we were running the show today. Now, here's our first one. Dear Will and Amla, how do I formulate a coherent argument without getting in a screaming match with the leftists? That's all it seems they want to do is yell and scream. This was submitted by Blue the Raptor. I have an immediate answer for this one. Um, when we're starting to, I wouldn't even call it an argument. So let's not, let's call it a, a debate. When we're starting to debate with somebody who doesn't agree with us uh, on an issue or ideologically, the best thing that you can do is first establish a calm temperament with, with both sides and make sure that nobody breaches that. The second you breach that, it, you need to chill out and, and stop whatever debating or argument you're doing. But uh, start every argument or debate by establishing your terms and then defining those terms. Because if you aren't already functioning through that lens, you're bound to create a, a contentious moment where you're yelling and screaming at each other because it's because you don't understand each other. So I, I recently had this uh, occurrence at a bar. Uh, a guy walked up to me, he asked me what I was doing uh, with my with my life, what my career was, and I explained to him how I worked at PragerU. And this was an older gentleman, and he starts talking to me about his views on abortion and how he is extremely pro-choice. And he starts trying to go back and forth with me about this issue, back and forth with me about this issue. And I keep stopping and stopping and stopping. And I say, well, wait, before we even go any further in this argument, what do you define life as? 
And he didn't really have an answer for it. What do you define life as? And of course, he he views a baby as a fetus that is non-viable. And I view that as a child that is a, a real life. If we cannot agree on those terms, first and foremost, before even getting into the argument, there's no room for, for a true debate on this that issue. So that's what I would recommend you do. Define your terms. See if the definitions are clear. If they're not clear, come to a clear definition and then get into the debate. And as soon as it gets contentious, dip. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I mean, until you've set the parameters of a conversation, this is why it's much easier to have meaningful conversations with friends, with people that you have a history with, with people who um, are learned in the same field and domain as you, mm -hmm. um, because there's there's a lot less um, catch up you have to do to get on the same page so that you can actually have a meaningful conversation and exchange right. of thoughts and ideas. And, and then those ideas build on one another. That's why I think to some extent this show works well, because mm -hmm. we ha like you will and I have um, similar uh, foundation that we're working from so that when we're talking about things that we don't have to spend all this time defining our terms and what are the rules of our conversation and where are you coming from versus where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. But when you're having an argument with a stranger and you have zero context, then you have to lay down the groundwork for that conversation or else nothing productive is going to happen. And so um, th that that's a place to start. But I would say the other thing is just take the Will Witt approach, mm -hmm. which is ask questions yep. and make them, you know, make your argument in the form of questions and say, mm -hmm. well, you know, like Am and Amla was, was doing this at the bar too, but yep. you know, okay, well, what, how do you define life? Okay. Well, usually you can insert your argument in the question form. Mm -hmm. So, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Right. And, but get their response. And, um, if you, when you are formulating it on the base, like formulating your argument in form of questions, you're making them think critically about their own argument and define it better. Um, even if you're rather than saying, well, I need you to define your terms. So what are your terms to find them? Lay them out right. for me. You're, you're encouraging the conversation, um, by, asking thoughtful questions. So that's the best way to do it. In my yeah. Opinion. And think about the difference between making a statement and making a question. A question is inquisitive. It's normally very warm and it's just curious. Now, if you make a statement of define this, that sounds very assertive and automatically you're operating at, oh, I need to be on the defense with this person. Questions are much more warm. Next question. Speaking of gotta, questions. Got to plug Will's book right there, though. Yes, we do. How to have those questions. Check the link in our bio for Will's book tour and yes. where to get his book. Um, how to win friends and influence enemies. Yeah, if you want to meet Will in person, you can get tickets down below in the description. So please do that. Next one, Dear Will and Amala from Michael Quaid. My question, how come Will is not as cool as Amala? I mean, this is a quick answer. Uh, it's it's simply impossible for Will to, to do that. That's all I have. It's, Amala was in the gifted track in cool school. Right, right, and, right, right. Uh, Will. Will was on the short bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's anyways. my answer. That, one, that one's a quick oh, hit sorry. him out of the park. Uh, Michael Quaid, if you have any relation to Dennis Quaid, that's cool. That is day after tomorrow. That is great, very cool. Great movie. I yeah. Hopefully you do. Next, <laughs> dear Will and Amala from Greg Baker. Does PragerU accept money from Russia? Well, it depends on what you mean by accepting money from Russia. Do you mean accepting money from the Russian government, like as some sort of collusion hoax thing? No. Uh, do we accept money from people who are Russian who like PragerU because we are an international uh, media company? Absolutely. <laughs> we take no money from Russia. We take no, it's no collusion from no Russia. Yes. Vodka. <laughs> no, you'll see people who super chat us down below and it'll say 200 rubes, uh, R-U-B. That's 200 rubles. That's from Russia. So absolutely, we do accept money. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We have super fans um, watching in Russia who super chat. So yes, we do. We love that Russian money. Yeah, if you're, if you're in Russia watching right now, comment vodka down below. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, Next one. Dear Will and Amala from Nora E. How do you feel about teen dating? And Nora asked this because she is a teenager. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she's asking from like a conservative standpoint. Do you think that teens should date? Taylor, do you have any immediate thoughts on this question? I don't like big blanket rules on stuff like mm -hmm. this. Um, I think the best thing that you can do as a teenager is know how dumb you are. And that's the hardest thing to do as a teenager because you don't think you're dumb. But, um, you know, you're very susceptible, especially as a girl, to be, you know, swept up into infatuation as mm -hmm. a teenager. And like that can just lead to heartbreaks and you can and you can do things that you regret. So basically, like you need to just if you were going to venture into the water, like I think it's important for young people to. Um, learn about what it's like to interact with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. It's 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 important for young people. Like if the alternative is no, you can never date, and you know, like you just end up having to repress everything and never and pretend like you're not attracted to the opposite sex or anything like that. Like I don't think that's healthy. Right. But um, at the same time, it's a particularly uh, dangerous time to try to expose yourself to that if you're not. So my advice is um, be super self-aware, um, be very skeptical of your own feelings, um, and uh, also stay close to people who you know and trust and who love you and make sure that like others who um, know you and know that person mm -hmm. um, know what's going on and stay close to them and, and keep bouncing, you know, their ideas off and or your what you're doing off of them and, and what you're feeling and all that type of stuff. Like stay right. close to the people who love you, whether that's your parents or best friends or anything like that. And and um, I would say just be extremely, extremely cautious. That's great advice. Yeah, I, I will tell you for uh, from a personal standpoint, I started dating when I was 17 years old. And if I could go back and take that dating experience back, which lasted quite a while, like three years, I would take that dating experience <laughs> back. But because it was so horrible, but you think now like, okay, because I went through that dating experience, I learned a lot about what to look for in the guy that I want. I learned a lot about red flags. I learned a lot about the way that I should be treated. So in some ways, I think dating is is good for people in their in their later teens, uh, but do so like Taylor said, with self-awareness, uh, do so in a sense that you're not feeding into infatuation. I think one of the worst things that a, a lot of teen girls and boys do, but specifically girls, is they, they find a guy that they're interested in, they start dating that guy and it's completely filled with infatuation. And that's when you start cutting off your friends, it's when you start cutting off your family, because you are just so- No one understands our love. Right, right, right. And really, if you had gone to somebody and said, oh, well, yesterday he said this to me, or yesterday he did this to me. Your mom or your grandmother or your best friend would say, oh, girl, that's not how you're supposed to be treated. But so often we're so infatuated with with uh, the, the person that we're with that we let that cloud our judgment. So sure, teen dating is fine. Do it in a tame way. Do it in a not too, not too serious way. Uh, and do it in a way that helps you look out for what you truly want in a partner. Yeah, don't uh, take it too seriously too. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, okay, you may meet the love of your life when you're 16 or something, but right. that's less and less common these days, especially in the culture that we live in. That is not, people get into their early, mid, even late 20s and are still not looking for serious relationships in today's day and age. Yep. And so that culture is naturally going to be um, manifesting earlier on in life with our younger generations. And so, you know, you have to understand that, like, that we live in a different era now and you're not likely to find someone with the same values as you who has the same intent as you in relationships when you're 15 years old. Right. And the last thing I'll say too is that it's, it is 
extremely preferable to take wisdom's word for it mm-hmm. than to learn the hard way. Um, and what I mean by that is mm-hmm. you're, if you go into this without wisdom and just throw your heart into it and run, run full steam with whatever feels right and whatever, you know, boy sweeps you off your feet or whatever, um, your odds are you're going to end up with a broken heart. You're going to end up with a lot more pain and suffering than you would have had to if you would have just been wise Listen. and been wise in the first place, but it's also right. the hardest thing to do in the world is to take wisdom's word for it. Because when you're young, you're always mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I can just dive into this full steam. You know, no, nothing bad could happen." But that, there's a naivete that you have when you're young that's just a natural part of life, Man. and it's so hard to take wisdom's word for it. But just trust me, be wise. Giving like, me PTSD. <laughs> I can recall this. It's like when I was dating this said person, I was reached out to all like from friends, family. They're like, are you, is this okay? Like, is this fine? Is everything okay? Do you want to say anything? And you're in that infatuation stage where you're like, no, I'm not going to say anything. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And I don't care what you're saying to me. Everything's good. We're in love. Blah, blah. <laughs> but it's not the case. So yeah, in terms of teen dating, date with low expectations, but not low standards. Mm, that's, that's my, that's, that's where good. I stand on it. Uh, next one, Dear Will and Amala. This is from Gabia or Gabija. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Uh, why hasn't PragerU left California? You all keep giving up money to the corrupt government. We've had this discussion so many right. times. We'll make this short. Uh, we're, we are where the fight is. The, the riots, the social media, the lockdowns, the mandates, they're all happening right outside our door. And as conservatives, it's very easy to leave and, and concede ground. And I would be lying, lying, lying if I told you I have not considered it, uh, especially with everything happening in the state right now. But there's something to be said for staying here, being in the fight, being attached to really the pulse of what's happening in California, as our CEO, Marissa, would say, uh, and and fighting it where it's at. Yeah, we're out here experiencing how bad it can get so we can be the canaries in the coal mine to the rest of the country saying, for the love of God, do Mm -hmm. not let this happen in your state. Um, Now, I mean, that's not exclusively explicitly why we're here, but... um, yeah, I mean, say if there's for a lot more on this, you can listen to um, um, Amala's talk with Dave last week. Mm-hmm. That was Dave Rubin. Um, right. That episode was uh, Thursday last week. Um, extremely yep. good discussion about all this and is California even worth saving? But yeah, we have so many discussions uh, about it. Watch any show we when we talk about it. We ask the same question daily is basically the daily, answer. Daily, yeah, and it's an ongoing struggle. You you wrestle with the idea of where you should be and where the fight is. And, and But right now we are here. That's just the nature of where we are. There's nothing we can do to change that. It's an objective truth. We're here. We continue to be here. Uh, next one, dear Will and Amala, as a teen boy, how do I talk to girls? In the current climate, it seems as though if you're nice to a girl, you're a simp, Alfie Davies. Now, uh, Taylor, obviously I'm going to lean on you a little bit for this, but I think there has been uh, a major shift. And maybe this is because even though the culture tries to pervasively push that women do not want masculine men to push the idea that there's some, such a thing as tos- toxic masculinity, and we've now developed the word simp because of that whole cultural shift, uh, women still don't want that. And I think simp is attached not to being a nice man. I don't think being a nice guy makes you a simp whatsoever. I think simp is attached to being an effeminate man, being uh, being a more feminine male. Yeah, I mean, simping is like, you know, oh, I don't even deserve a moment of your time. But if you would be so kind as to just let me ask you this one question right. and you don't even have to say yes. But, you know, that's that's simping. It's like mm-hmm. this pathetic sort of, you know, doting. Um, that you're not, but 
the key thing that's missing is in simping is um, a strong sense of confidence and self-worth and purpose and like um, decisiveness. Right. None of that is there if you're a simp. And that, but those types, those things that I just listed are exactly what women are attracted to. So yeah. It's true. You can tell like when a man is being kind to you and nice, but he's still confident in himself and reassured in his own abilities. You can tell that from a man. I think you venture into what we call simp territory when you are being nice to a girl with the intention of receiving validation from her. And it's validation that you don't already have for yourself. And then taking her attention and using that to to boost your own confidence. Yep. That's what I view a simp to be. Exactly. And and just and like to the contrary, like you can be a nice but you know strong and confident and masculine man. Right. You know, but what you know being like masculine does not mean you're being a jerk, a jerk yes. to women, um, or treating them badly. And right. what it means is that you have a strong sense of self-worth independent of the woman's opinion of you. And they, they can pick up on that. If you don't care what they think, that is what they're attracted to because now you're a confident freestanding person who's not living or dying by their opinion. Exactly and right. so the best advice is be confident, know who you are, be competent, yep. um, be strong, have Build up your resume as a man, as a as a human being, mm-hmm. and uh, the more competence you have, the more confident you should be, and the more attractive women you'll be. Yeah, that that statement of look look in, not up stands. It works for everything. I feel like look in, look inward. If you find the confidence in yourself, that's great. You shouldn't look outward to find it. Uh, we have two more questions here. First one, dear Will and Amala, this is from the hoodie guy. What do you think will happen if we never get Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp back? Floodgates open for Twitter. Well, we have Facebook and Instagram back now. That happened through the duration of this stream. But breaking, breaking, it's back up and it's back running. And I'm, I'm people are people are satiated. Again, with their social media tendencies. Uh, Hot Scott's modeling career goes on. Right, right, right. The IG baddie that is Hot Scott. (laughs) (laughs) He's right here. We don't have his camera today. Sorry, guys. We don't. We don't. Sorry. Uh, Now, what? but what if it never came back? What Um, would we be looking at? I'm firmly of the opinion that if it never came back, something else would pop up in in its stead immediately. Maybe Locals made by Dave Rubin that you guys should be on. You guys should be on Locals. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, it would be like a refreshing thing because you have, they have all this built up institutional sort of, you know, they're they're just embedded in as an institution in our culture and in our society. So it'd be great for if they were just like nuked and wiped off the map and we had a clean start and they're not able to censor your feed and or like, you know, determine what you're able to see online and we can start from scratch. And maybe there's more free speech. Maybe there's not. But right. um, anyway, it's not happening. So <laughs> wouldn't it be nice to know that the Giants can fall? And, and so far, we don't know that. And ra- right now, maybe they were down for around a couple hours. But no, the, the Giants have not fallen. And yeah, I'd be interested to see as just a social experiment, if all social media was wiped out today, and I'm talking every single platform, and we rebuild social media, would it be rebuilt just as toxic toxic as it is today? Would it be better? Would it be worse? Uh, I don't know. But uh, I think for a short period of time, if social media was just alleviated from the world for a little bit, we'd be better off. Um, this is our last question here. Dear Will and Amala from Claire Ramsey, are y'all dressing up for Halloween? I am. Yeah, but I, I don't, I haven't picked anything yet. I don't know. I'm in between. I'm thinking I've got a lot of different ideas. I've thought Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Love that movie. I've thought Shigo from Kim Possible. I've thought Raven from Teen Titans. I've got a lot of different ideas. That's a Raven. No, not from that. I don't know that Teen Titans, but I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's I thought a Raven. Raven Simone from That's a Raven. Yeah, no, <laughs> Start I'm twitching. The the ideas are uh, no premonition. <laughs> or you could do I don't know 
Oh, Taylor, who do you even look like? Well, okay, so my wife mm-hmm. does a different Britney Spears every year, like from, like, she's Toxic Britney one year, and then Hit Me Baby One More Time Britney, like, from whatever. So mm-hmm. um, we have not done the Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, like, denim Oh, you have thing. to do that. So, you have to. Yeah, so I think that might be the move this year, but yeah. surprisingly difficult to find a denim cowboy hat um, on the internet. I've, I've searched. I think maybe you can get a cowboy hat and just uh, spray paint it, hot glue denim onto it. <laughs> oh, from yeah, your pants? that's too much work. It's too much work. She, Ansley she will do it. Yeah, she's crafty. Do it. Yeah, she's very crafty. She's crafty. So. Well, guys, yeah, we will keep you posted on what we actually decide to dress up on, uh, dress up as on Halloween. We'll probably show it on the show or at least on, on our Instagram and our other social media. I want to thank you guys for watching Will and Amala Live today on this very glorious Monday. I have an event to go to where I'm going to be doing a speech on homelessness tonight, so I got to get going. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live at 2.30 PST, 5.30 Eastern. You can listen to us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on all of those platforms to let us know that you love the show. Let everybody else that let everybody else know that you love the show and that you are unashamed to love our show. Also, if you'd like to be texted to let you know when we go live, you can text live to four one seven seven six. That is L I V E two four one seven seven six. We will be back tomorrow. We'll hopefully have Will on throughout the stream and maybe a couple of guests this week as well. So we'll see you tomorrow.